Good morning. Greatness. The year was 1998. The Minnesota Vikings, 5-0, oh, versus the Green Bay Packers, 5-0. Oh. It was an awesome game. One of the things I remember most about that game was Randy Moss. As the Vikings annihilated the, the Packers, this was Randy Moss's coming out party. Moss caught a spectacular catch. It was Cunningham from the 45-yard line as he threw to Moss, and he evaded, avoided the Packer defender and raced into the end zone. But what I remember most about that day was my little daughter, Kayla. Kayla, every time the Vikings would score a touchdown, she would be yelling, touchdown, touchdown. I was so excited. I had a football buddy. The next week, Kayla said, I want to watch Barney. I'm like, seriously, greatness. With professional athletes, greatness fades with time. Many times, these athletes even let us down. There is one person whose greatness will never fade. One person who will never let us down. One person who will give us hope. One person whose name is even superior than to angels. Let's read about this person, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus is more greater and excellent because he is the Father's heir. Heir. That's a word we don't hear much nowadays. That's because our representative form of government is not a monarchy. In a monarchy, the king reigns for a lifetime, and the heir is in his place, ready to assume the throne. And that heir will inherit everything, including all authority and power of the king. Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, God owns everything that exists. Everything that we have belongs to God. And being that Jesus is the heir, everything that we have belongs to Jesus. And Jesus will also assume all authority, honor, and power of the Father. Jesus is indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when I was in high school, not too long ago, I mean, <laughs> um, I worked with a guy at Kentucky Fried Chicken in Wilmer, Minnesota. 
and he openly denied the existence of God. And he, he kind of mocked my Christianity some. But I told him one day as we were ending our shift and there wasn't many people around, I said, you know, there's going to come a day when you are going to bow your knees and you're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he said, I am never bowing to anybody. Well, then I got the chance to quote him something from the Bible. Philippians 2, 10 through 11 says, So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is indeed your king. One day, every one of us is going to bow our knees and confess that he is Lord. Now, you can either do it in worship or it will be too late and you will be forced to bow your knees and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today is indeed the day of salvation. Jesus is greater and more excellent because he is the creator. Did you know that the early church believed that Jesus was God's agent through whom the world was created? And they also believed that the one who created it would redeem it. <clears throat> Which brings us to a point. John 1.1 1, 1 says, <clears throat> In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life with the light of men. Colossians 1, 15 through 16 says it even more wonderfully. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created for him. You know, when I take my morning walk, quite often, um, I, listen, I hear the birds chirping. Sometimes I even hear them annoying crows going, caw, caw, caw. My, my cat hates that. Um, but I'm just amazed at God's creation. When I see the sunrise come up over the eastern sky, it's amazing. I'm even amazed when I'm taking my walk, and all of a sudden I think, trip over a stick and think it's an animal and get scared. That's quite comical. But I'm amazed at God's creation. How can anyone not believe there's a creator? Romans 1, 18-20 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven <clears throat> against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, and men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. Today is indeed the day of salvation. Jesus 
is greater and more excellent because he is the radiance of God. This is significant because no one has ever seen the face of God and no one ever will. Exodus 33:20 says, but he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see my face and live. But Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He is all that God is, the miserable sum of his eternal and eternally rich attributes shines forth in Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. Jesus is supremely radiant. John 14, 9 says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? <clears throat> in John 8, 12, which I don't have up there, then Jesus spoke to him, them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of men. The glory of God radiates to Jesus, and then it goes to the hearts of men. Think about that. The radiance of the glory of God radiates to Jesus. And when you come to know him as your personal Lord and Savior, you have that light in inside of you. This light in a dark, dark world. A dark world with injustice, moral darkness, and men who have godless appetites and passion. We need to be that light of the world. Every decision we make, every choice we make, we must bear in mind that we are the light of the world. Many times we might be the only light that people even see. But we need to be that light. Jesus is indeed the King of kings, the Lord of lords, worthy of all our praise. And today is indeed the day of salvation. Jesus is greater and more excellent because he is the sustainer of the universe. Did you know that they called this planet Earth the Goldilocks planet? And one of the reasons they came up with this term is from the story about Goldilocks and the three bears. You know the story. The three bears were eating porridge in their house, and it wasn't right. It was all too hot. So they decided to take a walk outside. But in comes Goldilocks. You know, she tries the porridge. She tries their chairs. She tries their beds, and she actually fell asleep in the bed because it was just... If the earth were too far away from us, far away from the sun, we'd all freeze to death, and life would not be livable. But if the earth was too close to the sun, we'd all burn up, and life would not exist. But the earth is just right. It's the Goldilocks planet. And there's a million more examples that I could give you, but Jesus holds us all. Jesus is indeed the sustainer of the universe. Without him, life would be utterly chaotic. But God, God does this for both the righteous and unrighteous because he wants to give people ample opportunity to repent and be saved. 
2 Peter 3, 8-10 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but his patience toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Jesus is worthy of all our praise and honor because he is the sustainer of the universe. Today is indeed the day of salvation. Jesus is greater and more excellent because he provided purification for sin. There obviously must be a problem then. Let's take a brief flashback, shall we? It was the Garden of Eden. You had Adam here. A beautiful garden full of fruit trees as far as the eye could see. I'm getting hungry. How about you? Um, there was rivers that flowed through this garden, beautiful rivers, and vegetation all around. And the garden was watered from up underneath. Man had open communication with God. But God said, don't eat off of this wine. One day in the garden, along came the serpent. And the serpent said, did God really say that to you? Hmm. So Eve took a bite. She gave some to her husband. Immediately they felt shame and they hid from God. And as God was walking in the garden, God already knew what happened. But he said, Adam, Adam, where are you? Like, why are you hiding? Right there, paradise was lost. God dished out punishment after punishment. But within that deep, dark day was one ray of hope. Genesis 15, 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Right there, God said, I'm sin. I'm not going to say how or when, but there will be a way. This affects all of us. And Romans 3.23 states, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There was no way that a man can make this right on his own, and he is in trouble. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free is our Lord. Man was in trouble, and he could not get out on his own. He was dead in his sins. Ephesians 2, 2-3 states, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. I like to take walks around the whole town of Howard Lake. And I love looking for the inclines. There was this awesome incline by the library. And, but then I found another one. And it was by the cemetery in Howard Lake. It had a nice little incline. And 
I would take my walks there. But one morning it was kind of dark. And so I'm not too proud to admit this, but I started running because it was dark. Cemetery, darkness, you know. Blank. Hmm. All these people in the cemetery are dead, right? Yeah. They're not just going to get up and come and get me. And plus, God has not given me a spirit of fear as well. So then I was walking confidently, you know, and I thought about that. We were dead in our sins. There was no possible way we could do this on our own. There was no way. That cross, he did it for us. You know, and then he, after he did that, provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. That is significant because back in the day in the temple, there were no chairs for the priests to sit down. I mean, I'm going to school. I went to school to be a pastor, and I'm glad that there's a testament and could never sit down. That would be hard work. But Jesus... When he died on the cross, it was finished, a completed work. Romans 6.10 says, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives for God. The resurrection declares that the sacrifice was more than enough. Chapter 25 says, And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded. For our benefit too, assuring us that God would also count us as righteous if we believe in him and the one who raised Jesus Christ, our Lord, from the dead. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Jesus is more excellent because he is a father's heir. He is a king and he will judge all. He is God. He is our creator. He is our sustainer. And it is our sovereign, creating, sustaining God who paid for our sin and died in our place and rose again from the grave. Why would you put your trust in eternal life and anyone or anything else but Jesus Christ? Now is the day of salvation. If you have not put your faith in Christ, you need to do so now. Life is incredibly fragile, friends. Incredibly fragile. I thank God every day that I wake up and I said, I said, Lord, I thank you for another day that I can live for you. Because we do not know if we tomorrow will exist. This could be our last day. So if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, nine, ten, nine through ten says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You know, I've thought about what does the word believe really mean? Then I ran across this um, 
really cool thing on the Billy Graham website that explains it even better. The word believe in the Bible means more than simply agreeing in our minds that something might be true. It means trust so strongly in God that we are willing to commit our lives to him and live the way we know he wants us to live. Suppose you were walking along a path and you came across a bridge which crossed a deep canyon. You might look at it and say, I believe that that would hold me. You might even see other people walking on it. And you thought, well, I think it could hold my weight. But so far, your belief in the bridge, you really believe the bridge will hold you? You only really believe it when you are willing to commit your life to it and actually walk across it. In the same way with Christ. Yes, we can believe that God exists. God wants us to come to know him personally. And he has bridged that gap between us by sending his son to remove the barrier of sin and become that bridge. To believe in Christ is to commit our lives by faith for our Lord and Savior. Trusting in Jesus is knowing that when he died on the cross and rose again, that it was finished. Never again would sin have to be paid for. It was done. It was wiped out. That is amazing. And if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, these verses should assure you of the excellence of Christ. Today is indeed the day of salvation. Thank you.